At noon, things changed. The brightness of the day began to fade. The sun became obscured, dim, like some great storm had gathered, like some great judgment was about to fall. This was not an eclipse, for Passover is at full moon. The way it is described so unexplained suggests a strange and miraculous darkness. Although I suppose it could have been the kind of dim and dusky light that happens under low, thick, dark, heavy clouds. However, this darkness, this striking darkness was produced, it is odd. More than odd, it is suggestive, it is unsettling, it is a portentous sign. It's a sign, darkness in the scriptures of God's judgment. The ninth plague upon Egypt was a plague of darkness. In Amos 8 9, Amos says, On the Lord's behalf of the day of judgment, on that day I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. And as this darkness comes, we hear no more from the mockers. They seem to have gone quiet. No one is jeering or taunting. And we might wonder, who is this judgment upon, this darkness of judgment? Is it upon those who put Jesus on the cross? Or upon the one hanging on the cross? Into this strange darkness, Jesus calls loudly, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And at the moment of his prayer, his spirit, his breath goes. The man is dead. And there are three sets of people who react to this. They react, but they don't act. They leave everything in a way suspended and unresolved. Firstly, there's the centurion who is obviously moved and impressed and he says, surely this was a righteous man. But what he does next, we do not know. The people, that is the general crowds who had come to see the man be executed, they beat their breasts and went away. Beat their breasts perhaps with grief, with regret, with remorse. But they just go away. They leave Jesus suspended, hanging. Jesus' followers, those who knew him and followed him, both men and women, they had scattered after Jesus' arrest, but at least some cautiously regathered at a distance. But all they do is observe. They watch. In the ordinary course of events, a crucified criminal might be kind of buried without ceremony, thrown in a ditch and covered over. But look, a newcomer on the scene, a man named Joseph, who was from the council that had condemned Jesus, but who had disagreed with what they had done, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. Not a kind of passive, sitting around, languid waiting, but a hands-extended, expectant, readiness-to-receive kind of waiting. And of all those present, Joseph is the one to act. 
to take the situation in hand somehow. He goes to Pilate, he asks for the body, he takes the body, he wraps it in a linen cloth, he places it in a tomb. He ensures that Jesus' body is not left on the cross on the Sabbath, it's not dumped in a ditch, it is honoured. It is given dignity, it is given a place, it is given protection. But so what? You know, does it make a difference? You know, isn't it all too little too late, really? This Joseph didn't stop the council's decision and action. We don't even know if he spoke up and tried to stop it. The centurion's confession, surely this was a righteous man. The crowd's regrets as they beat their breast and go away. The followers standing and watching at a distance. Even Joseph's boldness and care, even the expensive linen shroud that he provides for Jesus and the new tomb that he puts him in. What does it matter? What does it achieve? Jesus is dead. Beyond all help, neither can he, being dead, do anything for us, for those around. He can't do anything for the centurion, for the crowds, for his followers, for Joseph. All human effort has come to a dead end. And all human action had to come to an end, for the Sabbath was about to begin. It's time for humans to be still, to wait upon God, to yield to his pattern of working and of resting. Death leaves us so very helpless, so powerless. We're left with our grief. Perhaps we're left with our regrets and our guilt. Perhaps we're left with anger at what was taken from us so prematurely. We're left perhaps with numbness because we can't quite cope with the loss. We do also have, when death comes, memory and history and gratitude and the influence, the lasting mark of the ones we have lost upon us and upon those we know. And there may be some release in death from suffering in life, but the feeling that death is unwelcome, it's an intruder, an enemy, a robber, constantly renews itself. For we want to live. We want to share life and health with one another and to have the strength and vigour to do so. Christ's death was no ordinary death, though. It was the death of death. In dying as a man in our place, God the Son takes death upon himself and overcomes it. In the Bible, there are two patterns for humanity. The pattern of Adam, who lived and died. And the pattern of Christ, who died and lives. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. Or verse 45, The first man, Adam, became a living being, only to die. The last Adam, that is Christ, a life-giving spirit. And at this point in the story, this is not at all 
apparent that this is the pattern that Christ is to set. Jesus' spirit is in his Father's hands. Jesus' body is in the tomb. All human efforts have come to an end. We await God's decision. We await God's action. Will he leave Jesus in the tomb? Will he give him up to death forever? Or will he give Jesus the victory? The victory over death. Will he raise him up on the third day? Well, you know the answer to the question. And this is a to be continued on Sunday. But in the meantime, the Sabbath interposes and everyone must sit and cease and wait. Let's pray. Father, we don't like to think about death. Uh, We find it to be an unwelcome intruder on the life that we love and we grieve to see death have its way and especially with Jesus. We know that our powers come to an end when death arrives but we know your power doesn't. We praise you for that. Amen. We're going to sing, and this uh, is going to be a collection hymn. Now, the collection is working like this today. You all know of the terrible events in Ukraine, and um, there is a House of Hope, a Christian ministry in Ukraine, which provides a home for children. In the crisis of the war, they've evacuated their normal resident children to Germany. They're assisting in the evacuations of other vulnerable children. I think in the pews there are some newsletters about their work. So we have a chance, I think, to support uh, Christian ministry on the ground in Ukraine. And if you'd like to take that opportunity to support them, I think you have an envelope in your um, order of service, which has, you know, you can put cash in there, or you can take that home and look at the bank details, if you like, and uh, decide whether you want to support the ministry there. If you want to give to the parish as part of your normal giving, The box at the back is there. But uh, Pam, I think, and Pauline will come around with bags if anyone does want to put their envelope in. You're welcome to do so as we sing. Let's stand and sing Rock of Ages.